everybody. It is so good to be in the house seeing all of your wonderful and beautiful smiling faces. I don't know if you notice, I have the perspective of seeing everyone before me, but um, the pews are looking a little more full than they have lately. I'm really excited about that. Amen. I don't know if it's just that you're back from your summer vacations or we just have more people in the building, but either way, I'm happy. God is doing some amazing things. It's so good again to see you all and be here. Uh, I don't have a lengthy message, but I hope today that I have a message uh, that will pack a punch. Um, I feel like I've been getting punched a lot lately, and uh, not necessarily by anyone, but that's the way my body has felt these last three weeks as I've gotten more active. There you go. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> my grandbaby said, yeah. <laughs> no, but as I've gotten more active, um, you know, I've, I've been feeling really sore. Um, but it's a good thing. Uh, I, I think I, uh, the last three weeks, I think I've worked out more uh, than I have probably since I was in the Marine Corps last, which is, a, I think I got out about almost 10 years ago now, and uh, this, uh, this level of activity, which I was accustomed to, I be became foreign to me, and uh, the lack of activity, um, although my life was busy, the lack of physical activity made me sluggish, um, it made me tired all the time, I wasn't really eating right. And so now that uh, I'm back in this routine and through my wife and my daughter's inspiration, eating better and taking care of myself, um, I have more energy, I have more fire, I have more desire to do more, to push harder and to just get more done as if I could pack any more into my schedule, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours at the gym. Um, doesn't seem like uh, something very reasonable, but it's certainly well worth it. I want to talk to you today about something somewhat similar. Uh, I didn't think that um, I was going to do a continuation of any message last week. And last week, if you weren't here, if you didn't catch it on the podcast, last week we talked um, about an incomplete faith. And we read from Acts chapter 10, and we read about this character named Cornelius and how God had uh, given him a vision to send out for a man that he didn't know, a man named Peter, to come deliver a word of salvation to him. He had part of the faith, but his faith was incomplete. And now that his faith was complete, I, I felt the need to have to give you the other part of the message because I felt that last week's message was only half the picture. See, he went from having an incomplete faith to a complete faith in Jesus Christ. He got the full gospel through Peter, Christ coming incarnate form, God incarnate, to come and take on this earthly form, to die on a cross, to be risen after three days, and to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And that this Christ is the forgiver of all sin. He received that message. But that just wasn't it. His faith was complete. Now, for any of my car buffs in the room, uh, Paul, John in the back, my car buffs, right? 
You guys know when you put a car together, that's great. When you complete the car, that's wonderful, but that's only half the picture. Because as soon as you complete the car, you finish the engine. John, what do you put in it? Oil and fuel. For what purpose, John? So you can run it. So that the car can be more than just complete. The car can move. The car can be active. And so I want to talk to you today on the topic of not just a complete faith, but an active faith. And so I want to read to you today from the second half of Acts chapter 11. So you can go there, turn your Bibles there. Um, I'm reading from the New American uh, Standard, but whatever you have is just fine. Pew Bibles or NIV. It'll get us to the same place. Can I give real quick before we uh, continue? I just want to give a real big shout out to the worship team. Can we give them a round of applause? What an awesome job they did today in worship. My gosh. Uh, and big shout out to my brother Joel and, and his courage in, in leading. Where are you, Joel? I know you're somewhere around here. Uh, amen. There you are. Uh, big shout out to Joel. He has been, if you don't know, he's been struggling with a really bad cough. And we've been praying all week. He wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get through the set. But thank God for his mercy and his grace that he helped the worship team today get through an amazing set. So thank you guys so much for that. That was amazing. Um, just some of the songs spoke to me personally. And I, I don't, I probably heard the song countless times. But every time I hear it, that it is well with my soul. I just got to sing. I got to praise and lift up a voice to say hallelujah. You know what? It is well with my soul. That despite the struggles, despite what's going on, God, it is well with my soul. So thank you so much for that. So I want to spend a little time. We're going to start in verse 19. We're going to read a handful of scriptures here. We're going to go to the end of the chapter, verse 30. So we're going to cover about 11 verses or so. And then we're going to pick out. Um, some really key points from the scripture that I want to identify. So if you'll go with me again to Acts chapter 11, we're going to be in verse, starting in verse 19. We're going to talk about the church at Antioch. Lord, thank you uh, for giving us the reading and the revelation of your word. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting in verse 19, it says, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Crean, who made it or who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And then when they arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And consider, considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church 
and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution of relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Amen. Let's take some time today to talk about this scripture. Now, you may read through this scripture and it may not seem like there's really much to study. You may read these 11 passages and you may not see much to really talk about in this scripture, but allow me to pull out some real gems from this scripture that I think will give you some real practical application in life. Again, we're talking about today, not just a complete faith, which we talked about last week, but as John said, putting some fuel in the engine and making it an active faith. We see this character here who we've seen before, this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas, the meaning the son of encouragement. Barnabas comes into this picture set by the council, the elders in Jerusalem. And the scripture describes him really uniquely. The scripture says that Barnabas, not only in the, in the text of Acts, but even in some of Paul's epistles, he describes Barnabas. And I'll share with you some of the things that are written about Barnabas. The scripture says in this particular verse that he was a good man. He was a man full of Holy Spirit and faith. And because of this filling of the Holy Spirit, it says that through his teachings, he brought a great number of people to the faith. He was a man of sympathy. He was a man that was broad in mind. Now remember, we have to understand that this man and his background, he is teaching and they were predominantly teaching the Jews. And he's coming into this church dealing with the people that they don't look like him. They don't sound like him. They don't eat like him. This is really different. So Barnabas came with his faith and his open-mindedness for the people. It says that he was gifted and he was a man of exhortation. He was trustworthy. And Barnabas was kind of good looking. So says the scripture in Acts 14. He was an attractive man. He adapted to the ministry work and he learned through his faith how to walk out an active faith and how to be um, self-supporting and how to support the community that the Lord led him to. He used every instrument that he had to bring as many people to the Lord as he could. Now, there's something interesting that happens. I want to quickly look at verse 23. Verse 23 says that when he arrived, he witnessed the grace of of God. My point one today about an active faith. You see, when you go from having not just a complete faith, but an active faith, your active faith will help do what? It'll help give evidence of the grace of God in your life. See, it says that he arrived on the scene and immediately upon arriving on the scene, he witnessed the grace of of God. Now you got to understand the background. Here was a time where the church was under great persecution. There was great hardship in the church, like there is today. 
Let me give you a little background about Antioch before we continue, because this helps. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Antioch was the New York City metropolis of their day. It was Sin City. It had a larger number of Jews in this place than your average city. It says there was about 14% of their population were Jews, but it was predominantly a Gentile culture full of pagan worship. And here comes these believers now that have dedicated their life, that have left their worship of pagan gods, have left their sinful lifestyles, and have now committed themselves to the way. Something's going on. There's a hardship now in the church, and not just because of uh, Saul's persecution now being converted and, 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 and being brought into the covenant of God. It wasn't just because of that. It was so much more both internally because the Jewish oppression of that, uh, of, 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 that, of that faith in Jesus Christ was growing even greater. And then the outside persecution was growing even stronger. The disciples were mocked. They were threatened all because of their faith. People were living in fear and they would not be bold enough to exercise an active faith. Is that so much different than today? Is that really that different than today? Where there is great fear because of the political environment that we're in to even say that I'm a Christian, let alone speak about your faith. So these people were living in very similar conditions that we are living under today. Now it's true, listen, so many of us might want to run away. And these people, they too at that time wanted to run away from their faith as well. But Barnabas comes along and they didn't run. It says that he saw the grace of God. Now how do you see an invisible thing in a visible person? How? You can't see gravity. You can't see a tree grow. How? But Barnabas saw it because their active faith was showing that despite their circumstances, they were still living out their faith in God. Despite their struggles, despite the persecution, and listen, believe it or not, despite their financial status, these people love the Lord so much, and we'll get into this in a second, they gave everything that they had to the church and became poor as a result. But it says that they were full of the grace of God. So here's my question to you today. If your, is your faith active enough to show the grace of God? Is your faith active enough that if someone comes into the room, they will see an invisible quality in a visible person? That they will see God manifesting through the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, despite your struggles, despite your situation, they see an active faith and the grace of God living in you. So is your faith active enough? Now, some of you might have situations where maybe you, you don't like your job, let's say, for example. Well, you know what the grace of God does? 
I don't know about you, but I have a glass half full perspective, not a glass half empty. And that's what the grace of God does in your life. And so some of us, uh, and this used to be me, I, I would do this myself, I'm guilty of this. You would complain about things and you would say, for example, like your job, I, oh gosh, I hate my job, I'm being persecuted, they don't understand my faith, and all of this, and you complain about your job, but the grace of God says, you have a job. How many people don't have a job? The grace of God says that you can go find another job. The grace of God says you have the ability, the intelligence, and the wherewithal to go get something better. That is the grace of God. Are you showing that grace? Some of you uh, maybe say, well, I don't like where I live. But see, the grace of God says I've given you the ability to go find somewhere else to be. You don't have to be where you are. See, that's, that's God's grace. Or uh, like Rosa, she, she might say, well, you, you leave the toilet seat up all the time. Well, the grace of God says, thank God I have a toilet seat. Okay. Honey, you leave the toilet seat up. Well, we got a toilet seat. I'm, I'm working on it, baby. I'm, I'm trying to, to put the toilet seat down. Okay. But at least it's up. I mean, it could be worse. <laughs> But, you know, as, as, I, as I look at this story and, and we talk about this uh, act of faith, I, I believe that as you examine the scripture, um, we see that um, Barnabas saw the grace of God immediately upon entering. And again, he saw that invisible quality in these visible people. Um, and what we see here is where the grace of God is, we see that virtue supersedes our vices. Where we see the grace of God, we see that holiness displaces wickedness. Where we see the grace of God, we see liars become truthful. Where we see the grace of God, we see blasphemers become more reverent, and they turn to a reverent heart. Where we see the grace of God, we see cruelty become mercy. We see selflessness become selflessness. And we see grace through our active faith. And what it does is it'll transform a beast of violence and of wickedness into a lamb of righteousness and holiness. That's what grace does. That's what an active faith and, and faith and living in the grace of God does for us. It shows God's grace. Let's look at the second part of verse 23. 23b says something else that I found very, very interesting here. And this is our second point today, that an active faith helps us to remain true to the Lord with all of our hearts. And let's read this. It says... Again, when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, it says that Barnabas rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. See, Barnabas taught them to remain true, but he said, I want you to be resolute in your hearts. Now, I think we've talked about this a little bit in some past sermons about the heart. And the heart can be a really, really, really tricky thing. See, 
it's so it's it's a very complicated machine and I don't mean physically our hearts but I think you get what I'm saying our hearts are so very complicated and our hearts carry tremendous power and see if our hearts if they are left to work by themselves if our hearts are left to work loosely if they're left without any governance if our hearts are left without direction then what happens there's confusion there's distraction and inevitably there is just a misery that our hearts can create that simply can't be measured our hearts are a really interesting thing. But see, the call here by, by Barnabas, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, the call here was for us as believers to remain what? To remain connected to our union with Christ with all of our hearts and to be faithful to the fellowship to the body of Christ. The scripture just gives us this idea that he's saying, listen, I want you to keep true to what we've taught you, to be obedient to the words that we are teaching you, not just in word, but in practice. He says, I want you to live out an active faith. And what does that do? Living out this active faith keeps us so connected and rooted to God with a heart of sincerity, if our hearts are in the right place. And so what we begin then to have this uh, idea that we are now firmly and we begin to live it because our hearts are into it. We're firmly settled and rooted in God. Why? Because we remember, as the scripture says, that God is doing something beautiful in our lives as believers. Watch this. And Barnabas is illustrating this. He's, he's reminding us that, now Paul hasn't penned these words yet, but the Holy Spirit knows. And I believe that there is a remembering that, that God causes all things to work together. Some of you know the scripture. For good for those who love him. He wants you to remember that despite your struggles, that despite your circumstances and your situations, an active faith will begin to help keep you rooted and keep you closer to God. I read some different translations in this passage when, when, when um, Luke accounts these words where he says, with resolute heart, and that's in verse 23. Some of your Bibles may say, a purpose of heart, resolute heart to make up their minds or with fixed resolution. It doesn't matter what the translation or what the verbiage in the text that you're reading. The point is that the phrase suggests to us that the initial joy that, and the excitement that they experienced as Christians. How many remember the day you received Christ? Anybody remember? I, I will never forget it. The day I received Christ. In those early days of my faith, oh my goodness, they were. I just wanted to tell everybody that I met this guy named Jesus. I was so excited. It was filled with excitement and joy. And see, this passage is saying, listen, we are going to experience that joy and that excitement in our faith when we become Christians. But far too often, that excitement very quickly fades. And Barnabas is encouraging us, listen, through an active faith, your faith should not fade. It, it actually reminds me of the parable of the sower. 
And there's the particular seed, the second seed that he talks about, where the seed is planted in rocks. And what happens? The seed sprouts up very quickly. And it's reflective of us as early Christians when we're planted in the wrong soil. We sprout up very quickly and we get excited and we're filled with the glory of God and we're loving life. And then what happens? Hard times come. The persecution comes and it will come the persecution I'll say that again the persecution not maybe the persecution will come and it's in different shapes and forms for all of us make no mistake about it and so what happens see if you are that seed if you're in that rocky soil what happens when those hard times come you fade away very quickly And so Barnabas is illustrating to us that it is an active faith that keeps us rooted and settled and firm in God. Not as they call today that fair weather Christian, right? You're a Christian only when things are going good. You're a believer only when things are great. And then when they're not, I don't know about my faith. Rosa had a friend of her had had a tragedy or I wouldn't call it a tragedy, maybe a blessing. But something happened in her life and she says... She's a believer, and she says, is God real? Wow. When it's good, it's great, and when it's not, he's not real so much anymore. Paul is warning, or Barnabas, rather, is warning against that, and and Barnabas is asking us to continue to be resolute, to continue to stay steadfast in your faith with a resolute heart. God wants us to remain active, He wants us to remain constant in him. He wants us to be deliberate in his word. God wants us to be diligent in exercising him in us. Why? So that we can stick close to God. Let me read you a quick passage from Proverbs before we continue. You can go there with me if you'd like. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. One short passage. Probably take us longer to get there than it will for me to read it. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs, there you go. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, There we go. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the spring of life. See, it's only through an active faith rooted in God, being very deliberate to remain true, to have a heart of purpose, a resolute heart in God, that we can be diligent in protecting our hearts. You know, I... I liken this, and the Bible shows this model really nicely. It actually models this um, about this image of God loving us as his bride. From the very beginning of text, we see this image, and through the very end of the text, in Revelations, we see this, this image of this bride and bridegroom, or the husband and the wife, and I just, I think about how excited I was when I met my bride the joy I felt and how over the years it kind of faded 
And then I found God. I found Christ in my life and in my marriage. And all of a sudden, my marriage was reborn. There was a joy. There was a newness that I found. And I've been saved now seven years, eight years. And the joy continues today. That passion, that joy, that excitement, why, guys, and this is what I want you to catch today, why is that important? We cannot lose it. Bill Oakley said something, I'm, uh, I know he's not here today, but he said something last week in our outreach as he left the meeting. He says, I pray that your excitement and your joy continue on just the way it is right now. And I thought that was powerful. And so Barnabas is asking the same thing of those believers, and I'm asking that of you today. Will you covet, will you treasure, will you protect that joy and that love through your active faith? See, my active love for Rosa would fade if it wasn't active. It would die. It would grow stale. It would grow stagnant but it has to be active. Your faith in God must be active. Your faith in God must be more than you simply sitting here on a Sunday morning listening to me yabber on. It must be more. There must be a demonstration of your faith in some way, shape, or form. You pick how that's going to be. God has given you that grace. You pick how your faith is going to be active. God has given you that autonomy. Pick your ministry. Just pick it. The choice is yours. But he says, do it with a resolute heart. Just one more point that I want to make today. You know, I believe that as we continue to read on in the text, that this active faith, this showing of grace, was so amazingly demonstrated. There was such an outpouring of the Spirit of God in this church. There was such a demonstration of Christ being mirrored from this church that they called these people little Christ. That they refer to these people as patrons of Christ or soldiers of Christ. There's this connotation in the scripture about that word Christianos, the Latin word for Christians. There's this connotation that there is a mirror that these people reflected in their active faith so much of Christ that not the church but the people outside the church call these people little Christ. What are people calling you on the outside? How are people labeling you on the outside? What is your active faith showing the world? Do they see you as a Christian or do you fade and blend in with the world? How active is your faith? But see, these people were so powerful. And Christian is not a term that's used extensively in the scriptures. It's Christians only used three times in the entire New Testament. But this was a title that was given to them by the outside world, not internally. What's the world calling you? Number three of our points today, an active faith helps us to provide for the church and for each other. Now, this really got me excited. And I want you to be excited about this too, about how active their faith was and how they provided for each other. Now, I told you Antioch was a very affluent church. 
They, they were a church that had money, but the people became poor for three reasons. They poured everything they had into the church so that it could be distributed to those in need. So they became poor because of charity. They became poor because of persecution. They became poor because of famine. Jesus talks about this. Those who are poor in spirit. And so these people gave everything they had so that everyone else can be blessed. How much are you giving? And I'm not talking about the number, but how much are you giving? How much of, you, how much of your faith is active enough to really give? Not because, oh, I got to give my tithing. I got to give my 10%, whatever it is. But giving from a place of joy, giving from a place of charity. They made a conscious decision to support their ministry, and it goes even further. These were Gentile believers. There was a famine in the land. And you know what these brothers did? Now, I want to make this point because there is this idea, there is this doctrine of replacement theology. If you don't know what that is, very quickly. This replacement theology says that the church replaced Israel and that they are no longer a part of God's plan. Well, that's a lie. Okay, because if you notice in the scripture, it says that they supported these Gentile believers, gave in a time of need to the mother church, which was where? In Jerusalem. Their faith was so strong, it was so active. The words that they were receiving from Barnabas and Paul were being preached with such power about Jesus being Lord and Messiah, Jesus being a Jew, that they knew the right thing was to support their church and their community. What are we doing? How active is our faith? How active is our faith in our giving proportionately? Listen, if you don't have a lot, I'm not asking you to give more than you have. That's not what I'm saying. If you don't have a lot of time, I'm not asking you to give more than you have. That's not what I'm saying. But what these people did is because of their active faith, they gave in proportion to what they had. Now, whenever I say give, people always go back, go to money, and that's part of it but they gave from their appropriate portion. No more and no less. They aided in helping those in need. We got a mission, guys. We have a calling through our active faith to go out and help those in need. Will you give out of faith more than you have, knowing that God will give you more than you could ever expect? How active is your faith? Paul actually talks about meeting these temporal needs and enforcing this throughout his epistles. He emphasizes this and he drives this point home that we must give and help people in need. Why? Because it's out of a joyous response of the gospel. The gospel in our hearts should bring out a joy. It should challenge us to give joyfully. Not just to the church, and that's great, we should be giving to the church. But the, the scriptures want us to give as a measuring rod for our love to Christ. That's a part of our active faith. And I want us to get excited about this today, guys. And 
I know you guys are quiet today. Maybe you're ready to go. But I want us to get excited about this. I want us to be, get excited about the model that we're seeing here, that here was a church in this city that seems like they're lost. And our city seems pretty dark right now. There's 78 murders in the city as of last week. We've already exceeded our murder count for last year. Drugs, rampant. There's a whole lot going on in our city. And we might think that our city is lost. And Antioch was a city that may have seemed exactly that same way. But God chose that city to be the city that would drive forth this Gentile believing community. And I'm excited about what God is about to do in our community. I'm excited as I read this scripture that, beloved, listen, if we have an active faith, if we're willing to step out and just do, we don't have to have a plan. Nowhere in here did I see in the text that it says they had a plan. They believed and they went to work. How many of you want to get to work? Anybody here want to get to work? Okay, there's a handful of you. Praise God. There's about 10 of you out of the, out of the room. That's great. And that's okay because with you 10, if you're on fire, we can turn that into hundreds. That's okay. But there was no plan. They believed and they got to work. They believed and they got to work. They believed and they got to work. And you know what? They said, God, I'm going to trust you to help guide our path. And that's exactly what happened. They grew so much, they grew so fast that the council in Jerusalem said, listen, they need somebody. And they sent Barnabas. And Barnabas said, you know what? We're growing so much and so fast. I can't do this alone. I got to go find Paul. We don't need to have a plan, guys. We just got to get to work. Will you be excited enough, be active enough in your faith to just go get to work? Whatever it is, you pick it, whatever it is for you. If there's a ministry on your heart, let's talk about it and let's get to work. I'm not about words. I'm really about action. And I'll say, listen, we'll get there. We'll fail. We'll stumble, but we'll keep moving forward. Who's ready to move forward today? Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to ask Joel to come back up with the team. Um, I, I don't want to leave today because I think this is such a joyous occasion of what we see in this text and what we see in this scripture, I really want us to get excited about what's going on. And not in a superficial, artificial, I'm just being led by the music kind of a way. I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit pierce your hearts to just want to walk it out, to just want to step out in faith, to begin to activate your faith, that it's not just an idle faith, but that it's active in every way. It's active in every word. It's active in every deed. It's active in every step that you take so that when people look upon you they say wow look at the grace of God in their life how many people want that in their lives today amen I got a few more hands praise God can we give God a hand clap of praise today because God is good he is worthy of praise and beloved listen he is doing something in this church and I don't claim to know what it is but I know that it's good 
And I know God is moving in so many of our lives and he's calling us to do things we may have never done before. He's calling us to do things that maybe are out of our comfort zone, but I want to encourage you today to just keep going, keep walking, keep moving in your active faith and let God lead the way. Thank you guys so much, Joel. It's all yours, brother.